So we are recording a few hours before there's a Nintendo Direct, and I guess depending on what's happened, they either have introduced mm. more uh, old video games to the Switch or they haven't. Um, yeah. And the whole point of the conversation today is to talk about why people might like those kinds of things and how we do it in the way that we want to do it. So I guess this conversation is the same either way. Either you're happy and this is a conversation about uh, playing old video games on new hardware or you're sad and this is a conversation <laughs> where you can find out how to play some old video <laughs> games on new hardware. So, you know, that, that's your own thing. Just by the way, why did Nintendo v- vary their direct times so wildly i don't know but it's midnight for me so yeah like sometimes they're like in the morning in europe and then sometimes they're in the evening in europe it's very peculiar i think for sure the so the pokemon presents they're like a spin-off of the nintendo direct style of videos Mm -hmm. they tend to be like 1 p.m or 2 p.m europe time Mm. i don't know why I honestly like my theory is that Sari B. Joe is based in London and they're making this just for him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not there to live cover it, is it actually even happening? Uh, I That's honestly funny. don't know. But yeah, midnight, so I will not be able to follow live, I think. Um, but yeah, one of the rumors for context is that Nintendo is finally adding uh, support for Nintendo 64 games to the Nintendo Switch Online service. And, obviously, if this is true, uh, well, first of all, I don't think Nintendo ever really had emulation for Nintendo 64. Um, but the rumor is also saying they're going to do Nintendo 64-themed Joy-Cons for the Switch. Which, there's mm. some precedent to this. They've done the Super Nintendo and the, and the NES-style controllers, I believe. And... That's what the rumors are saying. Obviously, one of the new games also just leaked as a few minutes ago on Twitter. It's a new Kirby game coming next year. Anyway, everyone everyone already knows by the time we're hearing this, right? Exactly. We don't know. We don't know. But everybody else already knows. Yeah. So, but emulation is a thing that uh, we have both dabbled in. I think maybe you a little bit more than me. Um. And so I wanted to talk about that. But I think beforehand, I wanted to kind of look at like, why? Like, why mm. why emulate? So this is like playing an old video game on some modern hardware of some description when you mm. could really just play the game on the old hardware. What makes you want to, to say, mm. get a ROM and an app and play it mm. on your iPad? So I think there's, Two easy answers and and a more complex one. The the, the two easy answers are the first factor is nostalgia. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are just nostalgic for the games they grew up with, and they would like from time to time to revisit those games. Um, the other reason is the the principle of it for a lot of folks, for especially for people who are into video game preservation. You know, preserving the history of video games. And in that case, emulation becomes a means to an end uh, as a way to preserve the history of video games and the, you know, sort of fight against the physical decay of old consoles, of old cartridges. It becomes a way to make sure that we can preserve games from 20, 30, 40 years ago in a playable state. Mm -hmm. The more complex answer is sometimes you want to revisit an old game because you want to play that game again, not just because you're feeling nostalgic and like you play the game for 20 minutes and you're like, okay, yeah, now I remember, I'm done. We've all done this. Uh, But you actually want to play a game. Like, for example, Metroid Dread is coming out on the Switch next month. uh, In a couple of weeks, actually. Um, And it would be helpful. I've seen a bunch of people do this. uh, Have a refresh of the Metroid franchise and play those old Metroid games again. I've been doing this myself. Um, And so you actually want to play a full game from, say, 15, 20 years ago. Why would you want to do this? I think the the question would be, why do this? Instead of, you know, going to your parents' house, (laughs) grabbing a box from your attic, and, you know, dusting off the old Super Nintendo or the old Game Boy and playing those games on the actual hardware again. So provided that that you 
succeed in the first step, which is find your original hardware and make sure that it's still working and it's still functioning. Why would you want to emulate rather than use that? And I think there's a few factors that I would like to, um, to, to talk about here on the show. The first and obvious one, the screen. As this is especially true for, uh, for older uh, handheld consoles. And I mean, we're specifically talking about Game Boy and Nintendo DS. I'm sure there will be some of our listeners will be old uh, Neo Geo fans or Wonderswan fans, but I, I guess most people are just, uh, you know, want to play old Game Boy and DS games. I've been doing this recently myself. So I, as like a couple of months ago, I did a whole thing where I asked my mom to find my old DS, my old Game Boy. I actually bought a new, a new quote unquote, new DS from eBay. I took my Wii U and I connected it again to my TV. And the thing that immediately stands out is those screens are not great, especially when you grow older. Um, The pixels are huge. Some of them aren't backlit. Uh, The text is tiny. Uh, The colors aren't great. There's all kinds of problems that that, that you discover quickly when it comes to playing on portable consoles And that's because we have gotten used to much better displays over time. I think we crossed a threshold, maybe, I want to say, arguably with the PSP, but for sure with the PS Vita. If I'm not mistaken, Shahid, the the Vita is, what, 2010, 2011? Um, 2012, maybe, even? And that was a beautiful screen. And I think we, we have now gotten used to a certain display quality where... Going back to the old ones can be challenging, can be difficult. Uh, the second problem, esp- again, especially true of, of portable consoles. I would say ergonomics is also a, a factor for me. Like some comfort, of the, yes. Some of the some of the the consoles are so small. Like like the Game Boy Advance, like the Game Boy Advance SP. Like I can't. I can't yep. play games on that thing. It's it's too physically small for me with the way that the buttons are configured. Yeah. So I I purchased uh, last year on eBay. There's a whole market for um, retrofitting new displays into old consoles. There's a whole market, a whole niche for, mm-hmm. for example, original Game Boy Advance units with a new backlit display. Yeah. I got one of those. But it doesn't change the fact that the old GBA, not the clamshell one, not the SP, the original GBA, it's a nightmare for me to hold at this point. Um, it's, it's, it, it just destroys my wrists and my hands. Um, so yeah, that's ergonomics is definitely one, another factor. Uh, batteries, they tend to die, especially for uh, consoles that, where they were not replaceable. Um, Either you go grab a, uh, uh, an old console and it just doesn't turn on or it doesn't charge anymore or the battery lasts like 20 minutes. And so what you got to do is you got to go on Amazon, try and find a compatible battery or again, maybe on eBay. You got to find the proper screwdriver to open up the console, replace the battery. It's a whole thing. It's, a much, it's just easier to emulate at that point. But the, the other one I think is a more interesting one. And I think Shahid can be helpful here to contextualize what I'm talking about. I refer to this as like modern quality of life features in video games, where if you play an old game on on its original hardware, and this is especially true from games, you know, from from 15 years ago, maybe, um, you don't have features like you can save anywhere and there's autosave. And there's plenty of checkpoints throughout the game. Or you cannot skip cutscenes. Or you cannot make text bigger. Or all of this modern quality of life and sometimes accessibility features that with some emulators, you can hack into the game or you can get a modified version of the game. For example, there are plenty of versions. This is going to sound so oddly specific, but it's true. There are plenty of versions of Final Fantasy VI, which is a Super Nintendo game, that their only feature is a different and bigger font. 
and that that makes the game so much easier to play to you know in 2021 so this quality of life features that were just not common in the industry a couple of decades ago that now you're used to them and so if you try and play an old game in its original form you struggle with it because you don't have those options am i am i right am i off base here shade in terms of like these little things that we now have in video games no not at all i mean it's it's absolutely the case i think we discussed this in uh we mentioned this before yeah, yeah we, we, in the we, psp episode that's right there, there was we talked about a period of time we weren't exactly sure when it was but i think you allude to around psp vita where before that point you know quality of life kind of wasn't a priority and i think part of the reason is is simply a lot of techniques for quality of life hadn't even been invented mm. And the technology wouldn't support it. So memory was a limitation. Speed of access of content was a limitation. There are a lot of good technical reasons why some of these uh, quality of life features couldn't be implemented before or weren't even thought of before. But most of it's just progression of the form. You know, it's, video games is still a relatively young form. So for all of these things to start to happen took time. And we set the threshold at about, what, 10, 15 years ago. And things started to get better. And things are still not good enough. There are still so many games, modern games, I can't play. I'm 55. You know, make me a video game. I have, I don't have much time, but I have the money. So give me a video game I can play where I can actually read the font on a 65-inch TV, please. Because right now I can't. I mean, it's insane that there are games today where I'm sat relatively close to the telly. I'm only about two yards away. I mean, that's quite close. 65-inch telly, I can't read the font. It's too small. And there was a... Uh, a meme not a meme but there was a, a viral twitter thread about this recently and i you know i've been saying this uh for quite a while because i happen to be old and so it's bothered me for a lot longer than most people but yeah that that quality of life thing is a is a feature um but i think there are other reasons as well the ergonomics you mentioned are important i don't think they're the primary reason but certainly for the screen that's a reason like a lot of these people who were playing these video games originally They've obviously grown up because how many people like playing old video games and who are really, really young? Not that many just yet. It's usually connoisseurs, right? And the connoisseurs have been around for quite some time. So their eyesight's not quite as sharp as it used to be. You're not talking about nine, 10 year old kids whose eyesight is legendary. You know, they, they can read uh, a number plate from two miles. And um, uh, I, I've noticed this more and more. So I, I think that's important. The the wrist stuff is important, but not as important, I think, as the eyesight. The quality of life stuff. I don't know. I, I think you know, part of the reasons I'm one thing you were talking about earlier is why do people do this? Why do they play these games on mon systems? I think part of it's just it's the tree of video games, right? And there are loads of branches that we didn't go down. The trunk continues to ascend, and off the trunk there are new branches. But if you go back 10, 15 years into the the history of the tree of video games, there are branches that were really interesting but never grew strong. And there are lots of games on those branches that were beautiful and people just want to go back to that particular game. And because they were never remastered or never remade, mm. it's the only way they can experience that is to go back to that branch. And what is this about? It's about how it made them feel. People aren't necessarily playing the games because they are the games that they loved. They're playing those games because it takes them back to a time they felt a certain way. And for me, certainly, that's that's true. It's less so for games that are really old. Again, this is the threshold issue. So, for example, you know, having talked about Jet Set Willy recently, if you play Jet Set Willy today, it's, oh, my goodness, I cannot play that now for more than two minutes. I'll have a look at it, have a smile. Yeah, yeah. not for me, not for me. Sorry, long time ago, ancient history, you know. But... um play something a bit more recent then it's a case of oh my goodness i remember exactly how i was feeling when i played this a good example for me personally is um speedball 2 hmm. speedball 2 the thing that gave me rsi that destroyed my forearm for good um but that i can still play today and to date is the only two-player game i have ever beaten my friend lorenzo at um and that's that's a good enough reason for me to go back to it from time to time because of the way it made me feel at the time, because it takes me straight back to that time. The, the way a great song does, mm. you know, there are songs that just take you back. There are smells that take you back. Video games are the same. 
but they are annoying sometimes for yeah. the limitations <laughs> that Federico mentioned. And I mean, like, you know, so there are games where I've thought, like, oh, I want to go back and play Super Mario Brothers 3 or whatever. And then it's just like, how do I save this? Like, I have things to do. Yep. I can't just, you know, like, I, I can't just sit here. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. just sit here all day and get to the next save point. I, I am... I have responsibilities now, so Bottom. I have to go and observe yeah. those. Uh, so one, you know, like stuff like with Nintendo, especially, I think we always just say, why don't they just? And it's not even just like put N sixty four games on the uh, Switch, but why not put all Pokemon games on iOS? Right, it's a question people ask a lot, mm. and I think it's a, I mean, it's something that I would want them to do. Um, so I asked the question, but I would love to also get your perspective on this, Shahid. Why Why would a company decide not to do that if they are not otherwise doing nothing with that property? That property sits there, does nothing, probably wouldn't even work on the current consoles anyway. Why would they just be sitting on it? What's the benefit to them? There are a number of reasons for this. Opportunity cost is a major reason. Then there is the platform strategy, and that is ensuring that the appeal of the platform retains its integrity. That's a really important reason. Um, so f- that is almost a form of artificial scarcity, if you like. Okay. In, 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 in other words, to create a mystique around the older games you know what you, you have just saying that you've just hit i've just a huge light bulb just went off in my head right mm. so disney for years had the disney vault right mm. and yeah. the disney vault was basic basically all it meant was we will only put some of our classics onto dvd or home video for a certain period of time so mm. if you want to buy these things you need to buy them during this year or this season that they're outside of the vault because then eventually we're going to take Little Mermaid and we're going to put Little Mermaid back in the vault and then you cannot buy the Little Mermaid. So if you think that your children might want to watch the Little Mermaid in a years from now, well, you're going to have to have bought the movie, right? Mm. The Disney vault does not exist anymore because Disney have Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So their strategy changed to the point where they didn't need to create artificial scarcity anymore. And in fact, that would work against them with this new model. So yeah. like maybe all it needs is Nintendo need to make Nintendo Plus or Pokemon Plus, and then they can put all of the games on one service. And I'm I'm only like twenty five percent joking with that as a as a as a thing i think you're onto something i think we're getting to that point maybe. yeah so i think this is where the industry is is moving in a way you know like towards this stuff more and more we have a very fleshed out topic in our document that we'll get to one day about the netflix for games and why it's probably just going to be netflix uh which is a scary thought well, could mm. be Netflix, which is a scary thought. Or at least Netflix will want it to be. I think is the is the overall thing. But we'll get to that at some point in the future. But I think that that's you know that that artificial scarcity part is just like. Could could you explain for me a little bit more actually what you meant by opportunity cost? Yeah. So Nintendo only has resources. I know it sounds insane. Okay, Nintendo, a very wealthy company, but they don't employ infinite people, and they don't have. Um, a multi-pronged strategy. They have a very focused strategy, and they do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So, they want their people to have a to run a successful organization. They want their people focused on their strategy, and that means not going off on little side missions. And this, for them, would constitute a side mission, which would involve moving away from their core mission. They can't mm-hmm. have that. You know, it's just a waste of their time, and it means less time spent on the things that really matter to them as an organization fair enough i mean and it's it's a good point uh because you just look at super mario gut run yeah right which by all intents and purposes seemed like a very successful ios game but Mm. nintendo considered it a failure Mm. because it it just didn't generate for them what they would expect a title like this to do and it was always very interesting at the time when it's like this game was like always in the top grossing on iOS, but yet Nintendo considered it to be a failure for them, which is just kind of fascinating, really. But I'm assuming, though, it would be fair to say 
that you know we may do uh, emulation and Federico and I are going to talk about some ways that we've been doing this recently with some of our own hardware. But ultimately, I know I would just prefer to pay Nintendo to get Pokemon Red on my iPhone. Like I, That would be my ideal situation. But I think sometimes there does come these points and you know, it's, I think there are arguments on both sides, definitely. But there come these points where you're kind of just like, well, if you're not going to do it, then I'm just going to do it myself. There is another problem with Nintendo doing that, and that is that they have to develop a skill set for creating games on another platform that Mm. if that platform goes away, it has been wasted. And it would be better for them to use those top designers to focus their attention on Nintendo's up-and-coming platforms, of which only Nintendo know and which only Nintendo control. It's really easy for them to lose all of that specialist knowledge as soon. All right, I'll give you an example. So for a while, Apple with their iPhones had 3D Touch. Imagine Nintendo create some kind of Mario game um, which relies on 3D Touch. And three years down the road, this absolutely fundamental feature that Nintendo would require is taken away. Nintendo don't have any control over that. Mm. I agree with what you're saying, but I think that that more applies to like just Nintendo making iOS games, where like ultimately the emulators for these platforms, it's just pretending to be a Game Boy. Yeah. You know? And so like they're not actually making new games, right? There's no games being made. That they're just making some kind of application that could run it just it's just emulating, right? Like that's, right. that's so, kind of a little bit. So your argument is old in old Nintendo games everywhere, basically. Yeah. Why not do yeah. that? I feel like there's one company that is doing all of this exactly right, and that is Microsoft. I feel like We've talked about this before. What Microsoft is doing in the, you know, and in the territory in between backwards compatibility and emulation is exactly the kind of thing that I wanna that I wanna see in more companies, which is mm. all of your old games, you can play them on the latest console. And you can play them with the original setting, or you can play them with a quality of life improvements. You can play them upscaled in 4K. You can play them with HDR. They don't change the mechanics of the game. You have integration with some other features of Xbox. I think this is exactly what I want to see. Don't make like a a $5 version of an old game that I got to buy on the App Store and maybe like Shahid said, eventually it stops working. Just let me play all of your old games on your latest thing. And I think what Microsoft is doing here, it's it should be the norm on of the industry, but it isn't. Now it's not a Microsoft isn't perfect at this, right? Uh, there's still hundreds of games that you cannot play with the with the modern enhancements on Xbox, but they're doing it better than anybody else. And to the point where they can and and you may ask, well, but there's a reason why they're doing this, which is money, sure. Yeah, but we are we are inviting Nintendo to make money. Precisely. This is exactly <laughs> what we're what we're arguing in favor of. Microsoft was clever enough in saying, what if we leverage the back catalog as a way to entice people and sign up for Game Pass and say, look, you can play all these old games. You didn't get to, I don't know, Red Dead Redemption 10 years ago. You can play it now and it still works on your latest Xbox. But I think the key really for the Microsoft part that you're talking about, which is germane to our conversation today, is that you can play those games on basically any hardware that has an internet connection is what that is their goal, right? Because you just just need a web browser and you can... You can get to these games because they're all available for you on, I forget the name. I call that xCloud, but I know they don't call Xbox it that. Xbox Cloud, I think it's just Is it called Xbox that. Cloud now? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I can never get never get the names right. Like still Xbox Live, Xbox Ultimate Game Pass for PC. It's one yeah. of those. It's yeah. one of those. But still, like th- that approach, I think it, it's so far it's my favorite one. Like mm. you don't have to worry about it. You don't have... 
like Nintendo makes it like this separate service called Nintendo Switch Online and they add games every once in a while, but those games they have... The ones that they choose to, The ones that they choose, like, no, every old game works. Some of them have specific enhancements, some don't, but you can still play them. Yes, that's exactly... Like, I don't have to, like... Now, I'm not a huge Xbox fan, so unfortunately, like, my oldest video game memories are not about Xbox games from 20 years ago. But that's exactly what I want to see, which is, I don't need to worry about this. I'm just going to fire up an Xbox or go to xCloud if it's supported and I'm going to play that game. And it saves in the cloud and then just it's not a concern. Mm. Whereas with Nintendo, I want to play Wind Waker HD, right, from the Wii U. Oh boy, it's a whole thing. I got to find my Wii U and I got to connect it and it doesn't auto-save. Like, it's a something that you need to deal with and ideally more companies will follow Microsoft's approach but in the meantime want to play an old Nintendo game you want to play an old Pokemon game either you use the original hardware or you go the emulation route and me personally like having tried to make the original hardware work at this point I just prefer the emulation one like it's just more convenient and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes in some cases, the games even look better, like yeah. visually speaking. So, All right, so that's the case, the case for emulation. Uh, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about what we've been doing uh, recently, because this is actually something me and Federico have both been up to. This episode is brought to you by Privacy.com. Privacy is a tool that makes it easier to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual card numbers, Privacy will mask your bank information so you never have to worry about who you're giving it out to and people you don't know online. Privacy is really awesome because it does a couple of things. Well, one, like let's say, right, like it, it will generate these card numbers and that gives you so much flexibility around how much you can pay someone, who you're paying, and then how much access they have to you. So you don't have to worry about your card getting caught up in a data breach, which is just something that happens constantly. Because if you, if you know, say you, you go to a company, you give them your card information, and then a few months later, they get an email and like, oh, we lost all the card there. You don't have to get a new debit card from your bank anymore because you just turn off that privacy card. It saves so much hassle because every time you have to go through one of these things, you need a new card, you get a new card, you got to update it with everyone and then you start getting emails from these companies, hey, your transaction failed and you got to update it, like all that nonsense. You don't have to worry about any of that with privacy. It really is so cool and it allows you to take back control of your payments because you get to decide who charges your card, how much they charge and how often they can do it and you can close them down at any time. So like if you are accidentally billed by a company in the past, that's not going to happen anymore. They can't upgrade you to another service without your consent because you can also set like limits on the, the amount. So let's say you're signing up for a company and their service is 10 bucks a month where you can just say, I only ever want to pay this company this amount of money. And if they try to charge you more, it's just not going to work. Privacy is also partnered with 1Password so you can create, use, and save your privacy cards directly within your 1Password password dashboard so they're instantly available to you they're nice and secure and it's easy to do all the virtual cards are created in one password they're going to have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards you can set your spend limits create single use or merchant lock cards super simple from wherever you are Go to privacy.com slash remaster and you can sign up for an account right now. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash remaster and you can sign up today. Our thanks to Privacy for the support of this show and Relay FM. I don't normally say something about sponsors, but that sounds amazing. It's so good, right? I, so I, good. I'm, I'm going there straight after this. Yeah, super, <laughs> super cool service. Very, very cool. All right, so uh, I want to talk very quickly about what I've been doing recently. So I have a a Z Flip from Mm. the Samsung Z Flip 3. And one of the main reasons I thought, hey, I want to try emulation again is because the the style of this device reminds me of a Game Boy Advance SP because (laughs) it's like two squares, you know, like in a long rectangle and you can yeah. fold it in the middle. So I was like, oh, you know what? I might see if there's what what kind of emulators there are around out there now. And I thought, I'm going to play Pokemon. That's what I'm going to do. And there's a company that I found uh, called Pizza Emulators, P-I-Z-Z-A, Pizza. 
and they make a selection of emulators. Um, it's two for the Game Boy Advance, two for the Game Boy Color. There's a free one and there's a pro one. Uh, the pro ones are the way to go because it has a bunch of great themes. It looks really good, very customizable, all that kind of stuff. The the like free ones, they look just the visual of it is just terrible. Like it's just so basic. Uh, but the with the pro ones, you get like you can make it look like a Game Boy and look super cool. Um, and I have been mostly playing with the Game Boy Advance one because I started with the Game Boy Color. I started playing Pokemon Yellow. And I was like, eh, I would prefer some color to this game. So mm. then I got Pokemon Fire Red on Game Boy Advance. And I've been playing through that a bunch. But one of the things that makes this game, like this this style of playing very good, is kind of the, the stuff that Federico mentioned. You have speed controls. Yeah. So you can just press a button and speed up what's going on on the game. Yeah. So like one of the things in Pokemon, and this is this has mostly been solved in the later games, but in the earlier games, the movement is so slow. Yeah, you can't run by can't, default. <laughs> in Fire Red, you can run if you press B, but in Red, there was no running. You just walk uh, everywhere. Yeah. So oh you God. get to speed it up, which has also been super good for me because I... I am a Bulbasaur person. I think Bulbasaur is the superior starter. Interesting. Okay. One of the reasons that su- that Bulbasaur is the superior starter is like I chose Charmander this time. Charmander sucks for the first few gyms, just like so yeah. poorly matched. So I have had to spend and dear had to spend a ton of time just grinding to raise the level of Charmander and other Pokemon that I was catching. Bulbasaur completely changes the way that you play Pokemon. If you go with po- if you go with Bulbasaur, you just destroy the first two gyms it's super easy and it really changes the way it's a very different game when you play it that way so because i had to do a bunch of like grinding of and just like leveling up the pokemon in my team uh i've really enjoyed the speed controls because i could just very quickly just run through these um battles of wild pokemon so all that kind of stuff really good and you can also um you can move the buttons around to exactly where you want them, right? Which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like what this this uh, system has, like this app has, which I like as well, it has a landscape mode. So you can kind of actually choose, do you want Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Advance SP? And it's like kind of layout. Um, so I And you can very easily, like as an editor, to move the controls around. So I could just put them wherever I wanted them to be. It also has auto-save and save at any point, which Pokemon has anyway, but it's just easy to just press a button and it saves and loading and all that kind of stuff. These are just very nice emulators. If you have Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color games that you want to play, uh, I wholeheartedly recommend them. Nice. Yeah, that, uh, playing those old Pokemon games can be... Be really tricky. Do you have a backbone for that thing, by the way? The the backbone is iOS only. Yeah, it has a lightning it? connector. It's a lightning connector because oh. I had that. I, thought, I was like, oh, I let me just did... get the backbone controller. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I they, they have USB C. They probably do actually. Mm. But I the mm. uh, I own one, but right, it is the iPhone one. Yeah, yeah. Because I had the exact same thought. I had the same. Thought. I was like, oh, let me get the backbone controller. I was mm. like, nope. Such a shame. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, okay, so uh, I've been down this rabbit hole of emulation myself for the past uh, couple of months, really. Um, like I said before, it all started with me saying, no, I am going to play all of these games on original hardware. And then I, thankfully, before I made any serious progress in Metroid, I realized, no, this is not going to work. I need to look into emulation. So... Um, I've been doing a couple, uh, like a couple of different things. So, on the, I want to talk about the Z Fold first. So the on the Z Fold, so this is the not the flip. So this is the big one that the folds open like a like a small tablet. The Z Fold three. Now the thing to understand about Android is that you don't have to jump through any hoops to get emulators on Android. They're just in the Play Store. <laughs> they're just in the they're Play Store. Yeah. They're just they're just there. Like they just don't care. You can you go to the Play Store and search for emulator and you get one. And the other thing to understand, Android doesn't place any limitations on the the technical features that are allowed to, for emulators to use. 
specifically things like JIT. So uh, that would be just-in-time compilation, which to Shahid, do you have a quick way to sum it up for people yes. without me having to say it makes your games run better? It's, yeah. It's the, so okay. the, there are a three, a three principal approaches to creating code that will run on a device. Most code is written in human readable languages, typically languages like C, C++, and C Sharp. Yeah. You have a program called a compiler. The compiler takes the um, code that you have typed yeah. and it will translate it to something that can be read either by an intermediate processor or by the machine itself. Nowadays, nearly always, it creates an intermediate form, which is very close to machine level, but not quite machine level. Now, the next step is you can have programs which are basically virtual machines that will execute this code in real time. Okay, that's called bytecode. The other approach is it will just run because it creates binaries, because a compiler will create binaries, right? Now, the thing with just-in-time compilation is it will take bytecode, which is an intermediate form, and it will compile it to the target machine code in real time. The reason Apple doesn't like this and why other companies don't like this, which I won't mention, NDAs, etc., is is really quite simple. It can introduce tremendous security and privacy issues. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, you have just bypassed the checking mechanism. There's yeah. no way you can check the code until it's actually running on the device and then it's too late. So it actually does that final assembling into machine-readable format code while the program is running. So... You get to a certain instruction, it's bytecode, it will translate it on the fly, it now sits in memory. So that, that, that's the problem of just-in-time compilation, but it's also its biggest advantage in that you can have an intermediate form, which is quite compact and really easy to build, but you also get the advantage of running yeah. at native speed. Yeah. And Shade, is it correct to say that, because I was talking about this on Twitter a few days ago with some people, uh, that emulation particularly when it comes to uh, the old consoles that were able to do 3D graphics, like a PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, or a Nintendo 64. Is it true that even if you have a very powerful graphics card in 2021, you may still struggle to get good performance out of an emulator for those kinds of consoles? Yes. Yeah. Do, you want, do, you want, do you want to know why? Yes, please. <laughs> because timing for those... Uh, for those older consoles was absolutely key. If you are not able to reproduce the exact timing for what were, even at the time, very complex chips um, and the interrelations between various parts of those chips. So for example, uh, with the PlayStation 2, you had two vector processors called the VU1 and the VU2, mm -hmm. which handled 3D geometry and all kinds of low-level detail. It was almost like an assembler, okay? Mm -hmm. And it generated instructions that needed to run at exactly a certain speed uh, with exactly the correct clock cycles that needed to be run in tandem with other stuff going on. The problem is not so much that the machines don't have the performance. The problem is the machines don't have the granularity to guarantee huh. that everything will run when you want it to run unless you completely take over the hardware. And of course, with most devices because they have an operating system that's not designed for real-time use, right. it's impossible to take over the, the whole hardware and to guarantee the correct state at all times. Yeah, because most people would say, but I have an iPad Pro. How is it possible that an iPad Pro right. cannot emulate a PlayStation 2? And yeah. that is exactly why. Like It's yeah. dif different chipsets, different architectures, so it's, it's really a problem of not having access to the hardware and also the software needs to do a lot of op optimizations around it to emulate what was going on with the hardware. So that's what makes it challenging. Yeah, it's, it's also because you, don't, you can't guarantee timing precision and you can't guarantee the entire machine state. When you were creating games for these old machines, particularly consoles, you had pretty close to the metal. I mean, not 100%, but these, these were consoles designed mm. not for multitasking, but for single tasking. And uh, with, with modern devices like the iPad Pro, there's so much going on other than your game running, even while it's just your game running in the foreground, that it's impossible to guarantee timing to the resolution that you need. 
Well, thank you for the explanation. So, back to Android, we were saying, Android doesn't care, and it lets you use JIT. <laughs> <laughs> all that being said. All that being said. <laughs> Android doesn't care, which means you can get these emulators, and some of them, they use JIT for greater performance. In my case, I was able to get the Dolphin emulator. So Dolphin Ooh. is a... Yeah, Right? You can get Dolphin on Android. And you no can, way. Yeah, you can. You go oh, to the Play Store, goodness. you get Dolphin, and you play GameCube games and Nintendo Wii games at pretty close to full speed on an Android device that is capable of supporting them, of course. But not just that. You play them at full speed, and you can enhance them with upscaling graphics, for example. So in my case, I went in and I downloaded Metroid Prime. Now, I don't want to talk about the piracy aspect. I have original copies of all these games, so I feel like I, it's in my right to do this. You may disagree. Look, we're not, this is not like, a, I'm not a lawyer or anything. Just, no, depending on the country you're in, you're on good ground. I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a good country. So <laughs> that's, Whatever so. country you think I might be in, I'm in the one. Exactly. <laughs> I'm in the one where it's okay. <laughs> You think I'm from Italy? No, I'm not from Italy. <laughs> or at least that's not where I am, where I'm talking to you now. Exactly. So um, I got Metroid Prime, put it on my Z Fold. Again, Android doesn't care about letting you uh, navigate the file system, uh, opening hidden folders. It's a wild west. It's awesome because of that. Can I just talk about, like, everybody stop listening for a minute, how easy it is to find ROMs now? I know, like, right? I I, I, know. I wanted the, the <laughs> you, Pokemon ROM, and so just I just Googled, Googled <laughs> Fire Red ROM, and it was the first answer. I just downloaded it. That was it. That was done. But here's the thing. I've done some research about this, and I may be mistaken, but I believe that the issue for a lot of these old consoles, it's not necessarily the game ROMs. It's hosting the BIOS of the consoles. I had to go to such great lengths to find the BIOS software hmm. for a Nintendo DS emulator. This I had to do none of this for the Game Boy ones. I had to open a shape. Yeah, that's probably because the, the Android folks don't care about that. Yeah. Uh, on iOS. Oh, yeah, because there's a different one. We're gonna, we haven't gotten to that yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, Metroid Prime. On the Z Fold 3, I can run at full speed, 60 frames per second. So, mind you, this is a GameCube game, all right? So, what was the resolution of the GameCube? 4, 480p? I can run this thing at 4K at 30 solid frames per second, or I can take it down to 1080p, wow. which still looks pretty incredible, and run it at 60 frames per second on a Z Fold 3. With all kinds of support for modern quality of life features like speeding up the game or um, compiling the shaders. This sounds totally like hackery. Yeah, I'm compiling the shaders. But <laughs> there's a setting that basically lets you wait a little longer before the game starts, but it looks so much better when it starts. What are you using for a controller? So I'm getting to that. There's So I did a lot of research about uh, around this topic and I found a single company that makes a Z-Fold compatible controller. It's called the Shax Game Controller. It's called S-H-A-K-S. Shax Game Controller. It, it's like this um, cradle-style controller where you open it up and you put your fold in the middle of it. And so it looks like you're holding this like weird Nintendo Switch where the screen is a, is a Z Fold 3. It's awesome. Let me check. It's incredible. Oh, yeah, it's, look at this. It's which, very Which nice. model do you have? Because there's, there's a I, bunch of them that, that they seem to okay, make. Okay, so the one I got is... Oh, let me sign into Amazon. Uh, the Shax Plus? something. So there's, they have I'm a lot using, of these things. No, not that one. I'm using... The ta -ta -ta, we can put a link in the show notes. Yeah, Shacks S5B. Okay, this is the one that I have. Um, 
I can send you the link. And it supports a variety of smartphones and, um, you know, different mini tablets. But in this case, it's the only one that is also Did compatible. You know it was designed in Italy, Federico? No way. Yep. Italian no way. design, designed by Paolo Villa in Milano. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. No wonder you love it so much. No. And their website's a Notion database. So I think I think <laughs> that these people will fall in love with you if you come here with a game touch. Oh my, yeah. So again, the beautiful thing about emulation. So I found the controller. I can put the Z fold in the middle of it. I can run Metroid at 4K with JIT enabled. It supports quick saves and save states. So I can save at any point during the game. But even better, it lets me remap all of my controls, right? So for example, in Metroid Prime, I didn't like that the X and Y axis were a certain way. And mm -hmm. I just inverted the axis settings in the emulator and that was done. Um, you can uh, unlock all sorts of customizations to make the game a little easier for you to play. And uh, I've been having a great time with this. I've also been playing Zelda Wind Waker on the Z Fold. It's beautiful. You like Something that I never liked about Wind Waker HD, which was the remastered version for the Nintendo Wii U, was that kind of like blooming style of graphics that they added to the original game. Um, with this emulator, with Dolphin on Android, I can take the original game, take its original graphics, bump them up to 4K, and it looks amazing. It's hmm. so pretty to look at. So if you don't, like, if you use Android, it's honestly, I think, the easiest route for you at the moment. You just open the Play Store, and you get, what's the name? P Pizza Boy? No, what's the Pizza game? Boy. Pizza, Pizza emulators. Boy. Pizza so, emulators. So you get either the, the Pizza one, or you get Dolphin, and you're, you can probably find the PlayStation 1 PSP emulators, and it's probably the easiest way. Now, if you use iOS or iPadOS, it's a bit of a different conversation here. Because can Apple, I jump yeah. in really quickly? Please, uh, yes. Guys, I, I've been burning to ask you this question, both of you. Um, where uh, I, I feel very left out here, uh, and I'll explain why. Because Not, not because I'm not into emulation, because I really am. I've got loads of devices for emulation. Um, I haven't had the time to go into them as, in as much depth as you, but I'm, I keep getting my devices out and playing with them. The interesting thing for me is that you're, I, I know you're both iPhone guys, but you've both got Androids. Mm -hmm. uh, have, you, have you switched or are you running two devices now? Two devices. Two devices, yeah. And, and my question was, do you have Sims in both? I do, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I just use the... Uh, yeah, I just use it at home, and it was more of a thing to like, sort of, uh, know more about the other platform as right, like a, right. as a okay. learning experience, really. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was it, really. That was it. Just curious. Mike has a SIM card, I think, in the mm -hmm. flip. I do. And, yeah. And which phone do you prefer, Mike? Oh, the iPhone. Oh, don't be stupid, yeah, Sean. It's it's <laughs> well, look, look, if we're talking like because they're so that for me, I think the thing that's particularly different right now is the form factor of the z flip is like the, in the iphone they couldn't be more different you know like mm, yeah, yeah. i i love them both for what they are good at and what they're different at just like a general overall usage i much 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 prefer ios and i don't think anything's going to change that but mm. android has its has its thing honestly like has its well, moments android it has, has its, its moments, moments. And, yeah. i mean i would love to have ios on this hardware like because i think yeah. hardware is just so different and same, cool and fun same ipad os on the z fold oh my it'd be yeah. so mm. great because like mm. they're just so different but, but not it, they ios just 15 right <laughs> <laughs> well maybe <laughs> you know so like I, I you know i yeah but I, I use them both um i mostly keep my in most in usual times i keep my z flip at the studio and i kind of like when i'm here it's something that i will play around with a bunch just yeah. just see what's going on. Yeah. My last Android phone was a OnePlus 6T, mm -hmm. uh, which I really liked. And the thing that I liked the most about it, apart from its slimness and the price, which was insanely good at the time, is that I just found it so much easier to type on, hmm. which is weird. Anyway, um, sorry, please continue no, no with worries. the iOS story. So the on iOS, uh, you cannot find emulators on the App Store. Apple doesn't allow them. 
Apple also doesn't allow developers to use JIT because of the security concerns that you mentioned before. But mm, emulation, just like life, uh, as they said in the movie, finds a way. And in this case, uh, really the ideal solution, there's a, a few ways you can do. You can manually install some emulators using Xcode if you know how to do that. The easiest way is to use Alt Store. So Alt Store is an alternative app store that lets you install third-party software on your iPhone and iPad without jailbreaking your device. So you don't have to jailbreak, you don't have to install Cydia and that kind of stuff. Uh, you use an app on your Mac, and it's quite ingenious. It's basically a simplification for what you can do with Xcode, but Altstore does it for you. You install a little menu bar utility on your Mac, and then you quote-unquote sign apps that you want to install on your iPhone and iPad. So long story short, I got Altstore running on my Mac Mini, and I installed um, a bunch of emulators on my iPhone and uh, now the iPad Mini as well. So the same person who makes Altstore, Riley Tested, uh, he also makes Delta. Delta is an incredible emulator for Game Boy and Nintendo DS. It's imagine if Apple were to make an emulator. <laughs> Delta is that. So it's a modern iOS app that supports all the kinds of things you would expect. iCloud integration, haptic feedback. When you press the virtual buttons, it feels like you're pressing an actual button. But like when you press on the on the A, B, and start and select virtual buttons in the Game Boy emulator, it feels like you're pressing a button. Mm. It's incredible. So I've been playing Metroid Zero Mission. This is a GBA game. I've been playing that on the iPhone. And I've been using, this is a whole thing that I've also got into, uh, I struggled to find a game controller that was qu uh, quiet enough for me to play at night without waking up Sylvia. She has very light sleep and a lot of controllers, they have very clicky buttons, but the dual sense is the quietest of them all. So I got a dual sense that I paired with my iPhone, and I used this little attachment that I got from Amazon. It's like a $5 piece of plastic that lets you put an iPhone and attach it to a dual sense. So the iPhone is kind of hovering on top of the dual sense, and it's quite nice. Um, I've been playing Metroid Zero Mission like that for hours. I love it. And I've been using Delta for it. Sorry, which iPhone are you using? Oh, my 12 Pro Max. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my main iPhone, I've been using that. It's a little more interesting for on, on the iPad side because on the iPad, I wanted to continue playing those uh, GameCube games. I wanted to continue playing Wind Waker and Metroid Prime. Now, again, these two games... Even if I wanted to, I couldn't play them on a relatively modern hardware. I would have to use my Wii U for Zelda Wind Waker HD, which I don't love as a remaster. I prefer the original, so I would have to use a GameCube. And Metroid Prime, I could use an original GameCube, which again, not ideal. Or I could play Metroid Prime Trilogy, which is a Wii game. Again, not ideal, because I would have to use uh, motion controls. For that console. I installed, so I'm pretty sure I can tell you guys this. I am the only iPad mini reviewer. I reviewed the iPad mini <laughs> a couple of days ago. I am the only guy at the moment who installed a GameCube emulator on uh -huh. a brand new iPad mini review unit. Uh, I noticed that I noticed Federico that did not find its way into your iPad Mini review. It did. Oh, did it? it? Did. Where? It did, did. It's a paragraph, but I did it. There's a paragraph <laughs> and a screenshot. I did it. So How did I, I miss that? I read it. Wait a second. Wait a second. No, you read a draft. I edited it the, 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 uh, a few hours before because, uh, and that's because I'm getting there. Initially, it wasn't in my review. The problem... There it is. I see guessed, it. I see it now. I see it now. Yeah, okay. The problem with emulation of these consoles on iOS and iPadOS is enabling JIT. Riley Tested, the maker of Altstore, figured this out. Uh, it used to be la last year, for a brief 
period of time, there used to be in iOS 14.2 a, a flag for developers to say, I want to enable JIT for, uh, like it was a private entitlement, I believe. That was, has been since removed. But the folks at Allstore figured this out. And so now there's a new method where when you start an emulator like Dolphin, if you have your Mac nearby, you can enable JIT for as long as the emulator is running. So if you close the app, if you quit the app, or if you reboot your iPad, JIT will stop working. But as long as you activate it once and the emulator stays in memory in, in your iPad app switcher, you can play these games. So for the past few days, I've been playing Metroid Prime 4K. Uh, I would say on the iPad, it runs better than on Android. Mm-hmm. Once you enable JIT on iPadOS, you can do 4K at like 40, 45 frames per second, wow. which is pretty awesome. That's you can pretty do that sweet. On the A15. And you, uh, it's, it's amazing because on the iPad mini, when you hold it in landscape, I think it's even nicer because uh, these virtual controls, they sit right underneath your, underneath your thumbs. And it's so nice to do, to, to play a GameCube game like that. So all of this to say, on Android, if you want to do emulation, your life is a little easier. Um, you have greater choice of hardware so many different form factors you can consider, so many different emulators you can get. On iOS and iPadOS, you could jailbreak. I don't recommend that. You could install emulators like Provenance. Provenance is another popular emulator for old Nintendo and Sega consoles, but you have to use Xcode. And it's a whole thing. I did it myself. I wasted three hours trying to do that. The easiest way for now is to use AltStore. And... I, I honestly recommend it. I think it's awesome. And it, it's a nice, like, native experience, especially when you're using Delta or Dolphin. You can install your games using iCloud, using the Files app. Um, you have support for um, MIFI controllers. You have support for PlayStation and Xbox controllers. It's very nice. And I would sum all of this up as saying, none of this is ideal for me. Uh, again, once again, I would very much prefer to just say, I'm going to grab my Nintendo Switch and play this 20-year-old game on my Nintendo Switch. But it's not too terrible, the setup that I have going at the moment, where uh, I can play GBA, Super Nintendo, and Nintendo DS games without having to worry about performance. And if I want to play GameCube and Wii games, I just need to do this thing with enabling JIT once, when I'm in front of my Mac, and then I can play for a few hours, and those games look incredible. So there you go. I gotta ask: um, yeah. Do you prefer playing retro games on the iPhone and Z Fold, or do you prefer playing them on Anbenic devices? You know the 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 ones you and I have. So I have one of uh, some of those devices, the 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 Anbenic, for example. These are uh, game consoles that run Android, where you can install this. What do they call them, Shahid? Like launchers? Or, yeah. yeah, they're just launchers. Yeah. Like yeah. RetroArch, for example. I think ultimately I just prefer using the iPhone. And that's because I have I, I can use the PlayStation 5 controller, mm. which I feel like the ergonomics of that are so much better for my hands. And I feel like... Because I'm playing other games on the iPhone too, right? So I yeah. don't have to use another device. Mm. And... Yeah, I've tried that, and I think if I'm not playing on an actual console like my PS5 or my Nintendo Switch, I don't at this moment I don't want to add additional hardware to my portable setup. It's nicer to have everything sort of unified on the iPhone and iPad, at least for me.
Before we go, don't forget that throughout all of September, we are raising money here at Relay FM for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. You can go to stjude.org slash relay and you can donate today to help the mission to help that St. Jude has, which is finding cures and saving children. The whole thing with St. Jude is making sure that no child dies from cancer, which is just something I think we can all agree. Because it is estimated that more than 400,000 children worldwide uh, will develop cancer each year, and nearly half of them are never diagnosed. And in the U.S., more than four out of five children will survive cancer. But in many countries around the world, this statistic is reversed. Fewer than one out of five children diagnosed with cancer will live. So this is some, one of the things that St. Jude is focused on, is getting this care everywhere. In March of 2018, St. Jude became the first and only World Health Organized Collaborating Center for Childhood Cancer. And their goal is to raise the survival of six common childhood cancers to 60% by 2030. This September, the Relay FM community has raised together over half a million dollars for the kids of St. Jude. You can be a part of our best year ever by making a donation at stjude.org slash relay. One last time, that is stjude.org slash relay to support St. Jude. Let's cure childhood cancer together.